Amen. Thank you so much, Peyton. Really appreciate that. What a great song. Happy Father's Day to everybody. And uh, it is Father's Day. Whether or not you look at it as Father's Day or you're a father, so I want to say Happy Father's Day to everybody. I've been trying to explain this to everybody. I've been saying it to all the ladies, too, because today is Father's Day. This is the holiday, okay? The holiday is Father's Day. I'm going to explain this. Uh, I'm sure I can find this in the Bible somewhere, all right? Um, If you would, please take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 18. I'll give you some time to get there before we get started. But if you're a father here today, we want to give you a gift. And so we have a gift for all the fathers here today. And so my wife and I will be out at the stone fireplace, and uh, you can meet us out there. We'll give you your gift so that you can feel extra special today because I know every other day you don't feel that. So we want to give that to you. I love the pictures. The pictures out there were great. Man, men, we have such an awesome opportunity to really help our children grow in the things of the Lord, to impact their lives for the cause of Jesus Christ. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the opportunity that we have to be able to do that. And uh, hopefully a little bit of this will rub off on us all today. All right. Matthew chapter 18. Nothing quite exemplifies uh, truth like a good story, right? Think about that. Nothing exemplifies truth quite like a good story. My grandfather was the most spectacular storyteller I think I have ever heard in my entire life. He was constantly telling us stories from when he was a younger man. I'm not sure if they were completely true or not. Some of the things he would would get up and he would say, um, actually I could probably repeat them all to you because he told them over and over, and over, and over again. I remember my dad telling me, you need to go see your grandpa. Of course, they just lived a few minutes down the road. So we, he's like, you need to go see them. You haven't seen them in a while. I'm like, dad, he's going to tell me the same story. He's like, just let him tell you. There's some truth in there. And I remember him, him telling me that, and there was nothing quite exemplifying of truth than a great story. He would often start, you remember the time? Have I told you about the time? Have I told you about the time when it was just two of us against ten other people? Yes, Papa, I've heard it a thousand times. He's like, well, this one time, and he would tell the same story again. He felt like he had to tell it to me, so buckle up. You're going to be here for a while, all right? Stories have the ability to take a hard truth and kind of hammer it home, don't they? Stories have the ability to take a hard truth and hammer it home. And Jesus, over the last little bit, has given us some pretty hard truths. Some truths that we need to take, but quite frankly, they're difficult. He has instructed us to forgive. He's instructed us to forgive. Something like forgiving sometimes seems impossible, doesn't it? Seems like a mountainous heap that we'll never get through. Forgiveness sometimes seems like something that we really don't want to do, right? But here Jesus is giving us some things that we want to do. And so here in Matthew chapter 18, look at verse 21 with me. The Bible says this, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Again, we know Peter opening his big mouth saying, hey, look at how great I am, how wonderful I am. I'm such an awesome disciple of you. How oft shall I forgive my brother? Seven times? I mean, wow, what an amazing person. Jesus has the ability to put him in his place in verse 21, excuse me, verse 22. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times 
seven. Now again, if we're talking about forgiveness, and you say, I'm going to forgive that person for the same thing seven times in a row, I don't think there's any of us signing up for that. None of us. Maybe once, maybe twice, but not seven times. And then Jesus expands that to 70 times seven. 70 times seven. This is a pretty hard truth to comprehend. This is a pretty hard truth to put into practice. But I love it. Jesus then gives us a story to exemplify the truth. So let's read the story, and I'll try to point some things out as we go. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 23, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. Okay, so I did a little bit of math this week, and that's around $240 million for that day. That's without inflation. That's not today's currency for that day. That's $240 million. That's a lot of money. He owed him 10,000 talents, verse 25, but for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold. So he sold, notice, his wife and children. So they're all to be sold. I just want you to notice something, that debt or wrongdoing will always affect you, your wife, and your children. Men, let me say that again. Your wrongdoing will always affect your wife and your children. And all that he had in payment to be made. Notice verse 26. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me. I want you to, if you're in the habit of circling things or highlighting things, if you're using your phone or whatever you're using, go ahead and highlight that or circle that word patience. Have patience with me and I will pay thee all. He's probably lying, okay? $240 million is a lot of money. Especially in that day. It's a lot of money today. Anybody have $240 million they want to give away? Okay, let me know. We'll talk afterwards. I'd love that. Verse 27. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with, I want you to circle or highlight compassion. Moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Circle that word forgave. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him an hundred pence. Again, I did a little bit of research. The best I can figure out is about 250 bucks. Okay? So not a small chunk of change, but still not near 240 million dollars. 250 bucks and gave, uh, owed him 100 pence and he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him saying, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. I want you to circle or highlight that word patience again. Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into the prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told him to their Lord all that was done. And when his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. I want you to serve that word, forgave. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion, circle the word compassion, on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, 
and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Now these are, this is an interesting story. This is an interesting illustration. And the reality is this is a very important story, a very interesting story. But there are many things that we can glean out of this story for today's purposes. For today's purposes. I want you to see the fact that this story packs a major punch. Quite frankly, it permeates our ideas of forgiveness and explodes them into God's idea of forgiveness. Have you ever had God do that to you? This is what I think this means or this is what I think I should do. And God gets in there and just blows that thing up so much so that you just go, wow, that's crazy. I can't even imagine well, let me ask you a question as we get started this morning. Have you ever thought about your own personal threshold of forgiveness? Okay. Have you ever thought about your own personal threshold of forgiveness? Like, let me ask it this way. How much are you willing to forgive? Or maybe I better ask it this way. How much are you willing to put up with? What's your threshold? Have you ever thought about that before? Okay, I want you to start thinking about it right now. Okay, if you haven't thought about it before, start thinking about it right now. I want you to think about what your personal threshold for forgiveness is. How much are you willing to put up with? How much forgiveness are you willing to give? Okay, because this is often how we need, this is what we need to approach the scripture as this morning. Because that's what Peter asks. Hey, how oft shall I forgive my brother? What's my personal threshold? Seven times? Seven times? What is your personal threshold of forgiveness? I want you to notice three ways this morning, three ways of dealing with people who wrong us or owe us in some way. Three ways of dealing with people who wrong us or owe us in some way. Number one, unharnessed anger. Number one is unharnessed anger. Anger. Look at verse 28 with me. The Bible says this. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him. He laid hands on him. Let, let me repeat that one more time, okay? So we all get it. He laid hands on him, but he didn't just lay hands on him. Look what else he did. And took him by the throat. You ever wanted to do that to somebody? Come on now, you bunch of self-righteous people, make me stand up here all by myself and testify that I felt like this sometimes. Took him by the throat saying, pay me that thou all of this. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him saying, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And he would not. Went and cast him into prison until he should pay the debt. This man literally went berserk. This man went berserk. He put his hands on him and took him by the throat. And I can just imagine saying, pay me what you owe me. You picture it? You owe me 250 bucks. You better give it to me. Grabbing him by the throat and just shake. I can just picture him just shaking him. Give me what you have. He's just angry, unharnessed anger. This is a situation that plays itself out all too often. All too often. But you may say, Pastor Yeomans, 
<laughs> I've never grabbed anybody by the throat and shaken them and said, pay me what you owe. But the reality is there's not one of us that sits here today that, given the right set of circumstances, might just do this. And in fact, if we haven't done it physically, we've done it in our hearts. We've done it in our minds. Pay me what thou owest. But this situation is caused by our pride. Let me say that one more time. This situation is caused by our pride. Why? We want our money. And we are going to get it now. We are going to get it now. How about this? We want our food, right? When we yell and scream at the waitress because she's not bringing our food fast enough. I want my food and I want it now. Maybe this. I want my lawnmower back and I want it now. Anybody lent anybody to anything? I want my, this thing back and I want it now. How about this? We want our vengeance. We want it now. You've wronged me in some way. I want my vengeance and I want it now. And here's the, here's the reality. We think we're so tough, right? We think we're so tough and we have so much control over everybody else and that we're going to show them who's boss. So we walk up to them and say, you're going to give that to me right now. No, I, I can't give it to you right now. And then we grab a hold of them and grab them by the throat and shake them until they say, all right, all right, I'll give it to you. We think that we can control what everybody else is doing. It's pride. It's pride. We think we're the boss. By the way, I believe this is the same kind of anger that Cain had toward his brother Abel. Same kind of anger that Cain had toward his brother Abel. For those of you who don't know the story, Cain and Abel are brothers. They both decide that they're going to bring an offering to the Lord. Abel brings a sheep, a firstling of his flock, and Cain brought of the fruit of the ground. The Bible says that God had respect unto Abel's offering. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 5, the Bible says this, But unto Cain and to his offering, he, being God, had not respect. But notice the next several words. And Cain was very wroth. And his countenance fell. Why? Because Abel got something that I wanted to get and he did something that I wanted and he's got something. Notice, he's got something that I want. Got God's respect. Cain, Cain did not receive God's respect. Abel received it and so I want it. You better give it to me now. And God and Cain have a little bit of a conversation over the next several verses. But look at verse 8 of Genesis chapter 4. The Bible says, And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and what? And slew him. You say, Pastor Jones, I, I would never get to the point. I would never get to the point. I, I would never get to the point. The reality is every one of us has the ability to get to the point where we get so angry that we'd be willing to wring someone's neck over it because they have something that we want. Oh, they might have gotten a promotion and you didn't. They might have uh, done something, gotten a new car that you didn't. Again, we just got all these different things that, that could have happened. They owe us something for some strange reason. They are indebted unto us and we have unharnessed anger. If you're in the habit of writing things down, write this down. Unharnessed anger destroys. Unharnessed anger destroys. So let me ask you a question 
this morning, do you have a problem with anger? Do you have a problem with anger? Fathers, do you have a problem with anger? Do you yell and scream at your kids? Do you have a problem with anger? Husbands, do you get angry with your wife? Men, do you have road rage? I'm serious, okay? Do you have a problem with anger? Ladies, you're not out of this, okay? Ladies, do you yell and scream at your kids? Ladies, do you get angry with your husband? Ladies, do you have a problem with anger? You see, unharnessed anger is going to destroy. You see, a lot of times we try to justify our own anger. Well, I'm trying to do something good with my anger. I mean, Jesus got angry. Let me give you a verse, James chapter 1 and verse 20. We just talked about this this last week. I love it. James 1.20, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So you, listen, you might be trying to teach people how to drive properly on the 401. It's not going to work. You might be trying to teach your children how, how to behave properly, but listen, your anger is not going to work the righteousness of God. It didn't work for Cain. Cain, guess what? Cain did not receive the righteousness of God because he killed his brother Abel. He was looking for God's respect, but did not receive it from his anger. Our wrath is not going to make things better. Gentlemen, today, our wrath is not going to make things better. It often makes things worse. In fact, Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 18, the Bible says this, A wrathful man stirreth up strife. Well, uh, wrath makes everything better, right? No, it stirs up strife. But he that is slow to anger, look what it says, the Bible says, appeaseth strife. He that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. Number one is unharnessed anger. And you might look at this verse and you say, well, I'm definitely not the first phrase. That's me. I'm the second phrase. I'm slow to anger. I'm slow to anger. I, I'm an I'm a appeaser of strife. Right? Now I want you to see number two of our, in our passage. Number two is this, unforgiving patience. Unforgiving patience. These are almost levels, thresholds of forgiveness. In this passage of Matthew chapter 18, what did the two debtors plead for? Sorry, say it out loud. Patience. They pled for patience. Look with me at verse 26. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience. Verse 29. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, have patience. You see... When we're indebted to somebody, what do we want them to give us? Patience. Patience. You're, you're calling in all my debts. Oh, can you just give me another week? Can you just be patient with me? I just need a little bit more time. I just need some patience. Oh, I want you to think about this. A lot of times in Christianity, in Christianity, our idea of, quote, forgiveness is patience. Don't miss this. A lot of times in Christianity, our idea of forgiveness is patience. You say, Pastor Jones, what are you talking about? Hear me out. We think that we can just be patient 
and after a while they will make it right. Let me say that again. A lot of times we think we can just be patient and after a while that person who has wronged us or who's indebted to us or whoever or whatever, they will finally make it right. This is what they're asking for. Notice verse 26 again. Have patience with me, with me and I will what? Pay thee all. I'm going to make it right. Just be patient with me. Verse 29, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. You see, a lot of times we as Christians think, I'm just going to wait for them to make it right. We say things like this, they are the ones who owe me an apology. Have you ever said that before? Come on now. I'm going to be patient. They're the ones who owe me. They're the ones who indebted to me. They owe me an apology. They can come to me. They can come to me. It's their responsibility. They did the wrong. Let me be very clear this morning. That is not forgiveness. That is not forgiveness. You might even say, well, if they come to me, then I'll forgive them. I've heard that a thousand times. If they come to me, then I will forgive them. Being patient is better, let me be clear, is better than grabbing somebody by the throat. We all understand that, right? We're all on the same page with this? Okay, you guys are going to have to give me a little bit more head nods this morning because you're falling asleep already. Okay? Patience is far better than grabbing somebody by the throat and shaking them and saying, pay me all. Patience is better. However... It's not forgiveness. So you can say, oh, I'm patient. I'm, I'm not saying anything mean against them. I'm not going over there and ripping their face off. I'm not tongue lashing them up one side and down the other. I'm not doing this. I'm patient. I'm a good Christian. Many of us will sit here in our self-righteousness and think, man, look how forgiving I am. I'm patient. Listen, patience is a virtue. That's a good thing. However, it is not forgiveness. I'm a good forgiving person, but in reality, all we are is patient. Wouldn't it be nice if this Lord was patient? Would it not be nice? Can we all agree to that? It would be really nice if this Lord was many, 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 many Christians sit today. Oh, I'm not grabbing them by the neck. I want to, but I'm not. I'm being patient, not forgiveness. We're talking about forgiveness. We're talking about forgiveness. We're, we're talking about the Lord permeating our idea of forgiveness and exploding that. So what's number three? Number three is this, uncharacteristic forgiveness. Uncharacteristic forgiveness. Let's just be completely honest with ourselves this morning. Forgiveness is not easy. Forgiveness is not easy. Forgiveness does not come naturally. Forgiveness is not something that we desperately want to pursue. We struggle with it. It's hard. It's not something that we enjoy. And listen, we all might have different tolerance thresholds, but forgiveness, like true, utter, complete forgiveness, who wants to do that? Who wants to pursue that? Who wants to go through all of that? Who wants to spend that time? Who has that time? I want you to 
go all the way to the end of our passage, Matthew chapter 18 and verse 35. The Bible says this, So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. I'm going to read that one more time. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. The Lord takes forgiveness. Let me say this. The Lord takes forgiveness extremely seriously. The Lord takes forgiveness extremely seriously. I want you to notice the qualifier here in verse 35. Notice the qualifier. If. If. If ye hot. What? From your hearts forgive. We say that again. If ye from your hearts forgive. I want you to notice this is heart forgiveness. Heart forgiveness. This is not head forgiveness. This is not patience. This is heart forgiveness. A wise, more mature man in our church has often said this, the longest distance on planet earth is from the head to the heart. You see, we know we should forgive, right? We know it. In fact, we know that it's good to be patient, and we know that we're not supposed to shake people by their necks. We know those types of things. But the reality is, Jesus is specifically saying here today, this is a heart, a heart forgiveness. You might ask yourself the question, well, how do I heart forgive somebody? How do I heart forgive someone? Well, how did the Lord in this story do it? The Lord who, the the man owed $240 million, how did he forgive? How did he heart forgive? How did the Lord counsel the fellow servant to forgive? I asked you to circle two words, look at verse 27. And the Lord of that servant was what? Moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. Jump down to verse 33. Should us Think about, we we always go to road rage in our sermons. I'm not sure why we do this. Maybe it's because I have a problem. (laughs) Compassion. Compassion. Man, they didn't bring my food fast enough. Or my wife shouldn't talk to me that way. Or the kids ought to respect me more than that. uh, We just think about all these things and our, our anger's welling up inside. Compassion. Compassion, if you're in the habit of writing things down, write this down. Compassion is looking past your own feelings to see the feelings of others. Compassion is looking past your own feelings to see the feelings of others. If simply put, compassion is putting yourself in their shoes. Compassion is putting yourself in their shoes. In case you're wondering, this is exactly what Jesus did for us. This is exactly where we walked. He ate like we ate. He slept like without sin. He experienced everything. He experienced tiredness, fatigue. He was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He became like us. The Bible tells us that he was moved with compassion. To see the people as sheep having no shepherd. 
By the way, this is so uncharacteristic of humanity, isn't it? So uncharacteristic of humanity. In fact, it is so uncharacteristic that we need organizations in order to promote compassion. There's an organization called Compassion Canada. We have to promote it. It doesn't come naturally. It's not easy. It's not characteristic to humanity. It is uncharacteristic. We look at ourselves and only ourselves, and we care only about ourselves. But heart forgiveness takes compassion. You might say, Pastor Yeomans, what if they're doing it on purpose? What if they're being mean to me on purpose? What if they're giving me a hard time on purpose? What if they are trying to hurt me? What if they are fill in the blank? How in the world can I have compassion on somebody who's intentionally trying to hurt me? The same way Jesus did. You know that the people that were putting him on the cross that day? You know that they were doing that intentionally? You know that they were doing that because that's what they wanted to do? They wanted to put him up here. They were, they were cheering. Oh, come on, get yourself off of there. You call yourself the king of the Jews. Come on, get yourself down. Come on, Jesus, you can't do it. You can't do it. Intentionally hurting him. Intentionally driving those nails in intentionally whipping him with a cat of nine tails. Listen, they did this intentionally to Jesus Christ. And yet he still said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Well, they're doing it intentionally, but they don't know why or what that they're doing. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, the Bible says this, and be ye kind one to another. Tender-hearted, notice this, forgiving one another. Why? Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Listen, when it comes to our relationship with God, we are the ones indebted far beyond anything we could ever fully afford. We're the ones indebted $240 million, 10,000 talents, something that we could never pay. I owe a debt I cannot pay. When it comes to Jesus Christ, I owe something that there is no possible way I could ever completely, fully pay for. But God, in His mercy and in His grace, sent His only begotten Son into the world, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Coming to Jesus, coming to Jesus and desiring his forgiveness allows us the forgiveness of all, all, all our sins. All 240 million, or I bet you there's a, it's a whole lot more. Coming to Jesus brings us forgiveness. With all of your sins forgiven, listen to this, with all of your sins forgiven, we can, through the power of Jesus, get this, forgive every one of us 
our brother. I want you to go back to Matthew chapter 20, if you're, or 18, if you're not there still. Notice verse 35, the end of the verse. If ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother. We can start up here. Everyone. Everyone. All the way across the room. Every single one of you. Every single one. You say, oh, no, 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 not me. You don't know what they did to me. Everyone. Oh, no, 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 no. I've already forgiven them a couple times. No, 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 70 times seven. Listen, every one of you, every one of us, everyone, everyone, everyone. We can forgive. Listen, not in our own strength. You've tried it before, haven't you? You've tried to forgive before, haven't you? We've spoken a couple lessons ago about the faith that is needed, the faith of a, as a grain of mustard seed. The faith in who? Faith in our Lord Jesus Christ because of what he's already done in us, because of the grace and mercy he's already shown us. Guess what? We can show it to others with compassion. Realizing that, hey, they're just a sinner saved by grace just like I am. They're, they're just like you. Some might ask this question. What if they haven't asked for forgiveness? What if they haven't asked for forgiveness? I believe this with all my heart. Forgiveness cannot be received unless it is asked for. Let me say that again. Forgiveness cannot be received unless it is asked for, but it can always be there ready to take. I want you to think about Jesus. Think about our relationship with Christ. And maybe you're here today and you don't even have a relationship with Christ. Listen, he's giving it to you. No, you, you don't just get it. You have to ask for it. You have to receive it. You have to bring it in. You have to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. This is the reality. Jesus is just leaving his hand out there saying, here, I want to give you forgiveness. I want to give it to you. Here, please take it. It's yours. All you have to do is reach out and take it. Forgiveness is yours if you'll reach, if you'll receive, if you'll ask. Listen, can guarantee you this, the relationship between you and God can never be restored until you come for forgiveness. Oh, God's ready, ready to give it. So let me ask you, when you're saying, oh, I'm not forgiving them until they ask me for it, are you ready, are you re ready to give it? Are you standing there waiting? Are you standing there saying, listen, the moment they ask, our relationship is restored. Our relationship is pure. Our relationship, because I have nothing against them anymore. Relationship cannot be restored until forgiveness is received. What if this gentleman in this story simply said, oh, that's so nice of you. Thank you for that. I'm still going to keep paying you. Is that forgiveness? Is that forgiveness received? No. It has to be received. It has to be received. So listen, you might be sitting here today and saying, listen, Jesus loves me. He loves me. You're right. He does. But your sin is still accountable to you until you receive his forgiveness. 
until you receive his forgiveness. Don't be patient. Don't just be patient. Be uncharacteristically forgiving. Now, I guarantee you some of you are thinking this. Why in the world would you preach this on Father's Day? What does this have to do with fathers? Listen, we sang about our great father this morning. He's our example. He's our example of forgiveness. But here today, this morning, I want to challenge every father here. I want to challenge every forgive. Men, who do you need to forgive today? Who is it? You, you know who it is. They're in your mind already. Isn't it about time that men, fathers, began to lead by example? This is what the story is. Listen, so likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you. Jesus already gave the example. Jesus already is ready and willing to forgive. Isn't it about time fathers stand up and say, listen, I know you've hurt my family. I know you've done this. I know you've done that. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to be an example of what Jesus Christ can do in your life. I'm going to be an example to my family as to what forgiving looks like. Maybe it's your children you need to forgive. Maybe today it's your grandchildren you need to forgive. Maybe it's your spouse you need to forgive. I don't know who you need to forgive, but we need to forgive today. Our children, our families need to see a father who's willing to forgive. What a better way to celebrate a Father's Day and rejoicing in the forgiveness of our Heavenly Father and forgiving those people who are around us. Will you model that today? Fathers, will you forgive from your heart today? Fathers, will you forgive from your heart today? Mothers, will you forgive from your heart today? Teenagers, got a few of them here. Will you forgive from your heart today? Friends, will you forgive from your heart today? Family, will you forgive from your heart today? For Christ's sake, have forgiven you. Father's Day, will we lead by example in forgiveness?